thousand years of classical music presents this special Keys to Music podcast with Graham Abbott on ABC Classic FM. Hello and welcome to Keys to Music on ABC Classic FM. My name's Graham Abbott. Great to have your company. Composers often get asked to do strange things. I know conductors and radio presenters do. In 1819, Beethoven received an odd request from the Vienna-based music publisher Anton Diabelli. Diabelli wanted to publish something which could be used to raise funds for orphans and widows of the Napoleonic Wars. Something with broad appeal. It needed to be unusual, and it needed some big names on board. What Diabelli decided to do was to ask every important composer then resident in the Austrian Empire to write one variation on a waltz he'd composed and then publish them as a single collection. This is Diabelli's waltz. It's in binary form, a form often used for dances in instrumental works. Binary form sees the music cast in two parts, each of which is repeated. The first part moves from the home key to the dominant, in this case C major to G major, and the second part returns from the dominant back to the home key. Beethoven was the most famous composer in the Austrian Empire, and he would have been at the top of Diabelli's list of composers. The story goes that Beethoven was insulted by the request and refused. He was supposed to have found Diabelli's little waltz too dull and banal. But once Diabelli offered him a decent fee for an entire set of his own variations, Beethoven is supposed to have agreed to write the enormous work we now call Beethoven's Diabelli Variations. This story derives from the very unreliable biography of Beethoven by Anton Schindler, and it doesn't ring completely true. Beethoven certainly didn't contribute a single variation to Diabelli's original scheme, but 50 other composers did. That collection appeared in print in 1823, but in the same issue, he printed Beethoven's own set of 33 variations, the Diabelli Variations, Opus 120. Beethoven's variations on Diabelli's Waltz are staggering. If he found the theme banal, then there's certainly no indication of it in the final work, which takes just under an hour to perform. After refusing to take part in Diabelli's original plan, Beethoven started his own set. Four variations were written in early 1819. A few months later, the total had reached 23. He'd interrupted work on the Missa Solemnis to write these, so clearly they were somehow important to him. But by February 1820, the variations were put aside, and he set to work on the Mass and other works. 
It wasn't until early 1823, after he'd finished the Mass, that he returned to the variations. He revised and reordered those he'd already written and composed more, and the final piece, comprising 33 variations on Diabelli's Waltz, was complete by April 1823. Beethoven's variations avoid a lot of the predictable elements found in the variations submitted by Diabelli's 50 composers. What Beethoven does is utterly his own. He breaks Diabelli's theme down to its constituent parts. The opening flick of four notes, the descending fourth in the first bar, the harmonic scheme, and so on, and uses these as seeds for 33 completely new pieces which evolve out of them. In fact, this is more a series of evolutions than variations, and even from the first variation, we see that Beethoven is treading his own unique path. There's nearly an hour of music in the Diabelli variations, so as we survey the work in this program, I apologise now for the fact that we won't be able to hear every variation complete. Variation 1 establishes Beethoven's unique approach to his task. The second variation already seems far removed from the theme, but what is happening here is that rather than adding, Beethoven is subtracting. What can be removed without making the result unrelated to the theme? Thank you. 
The third variation seems more conventional, more pretty. But it doesn't take long for Beethoven to lead us far away from where we think we might be going. In the fourth variation, Beethoven takes the slightest hint from the opening of the theme and the theme's general harmonic pattern and writes a completely new piece. So far, the variations have all followed the theme's original binary scheme, two halves, each of which is repeated. But in the fifth variation, this starts to break down. The first half is repeated, but the second is extended without a repeat. The descending fourth and the upbeat from the theme take Beethoven in yet another evolutionary direction. With unfailing dramatic timing, Beethoven's next variation increases the energy levels and the virtuosity required from the pianist. The upbeat becomes a trill, which is obsessed over in the midst of busy semiquaver passages. Thank 
Variation 7 obsesses even more over the descending fourth and the upbeat, but without a trill this time. But Variation 8 calms the emotional temperature by keeping the texture simpler, long notes in the treble, moving notes in the bass, which explore the possibilities of the theme in another way. The ninth variation is an excellent example of Beethoven taking one element from the theme and using it as a seed for a completely new piece. The flick from the start of Diabelli's Waltz is heard in almost every bar of this, and Beethoven's creativity is clearly completely uninhibited. Interestingly, this is the first variation in which Beethoven changes the key. Up till now we've been in C major, but here we're in C minor. This explodes into the tenth variation, back in C major, and now completely free of the binary repeats. The long, growling trills in the bass just make the scampering chords in the treble even more powerful.
Variations 11 and 12 bring us back from the cliff edge, for a moment, with more meditative reflections on the theme. Variation 11 plays with triplets. while Variation 12 meanders through the theme's harmonies and beyond with flowing quavers. With Variation 13, something seems to snap. Beethoven takes us over that cliff edge into worlds no other composer could have imagined evolving out of that little waltz. This variation breaks the theme down to its bones and incorporates an element almost no other composer would have considered. Silence. dotted rhythm in variation 13 leads to a dotted rhythm, but a much slower one, pervading variation 14. Variation 15 is almost over before you notice it, a scampering presto which spins even more ideas from the upbeat and the harmonic direction of the theme.
Variations 16 and 17 work as a pair. They are virtuoso showpieces, with Variation 16 putting masses of rapid semiquavers into the bass, and Variation 17 transferring this passage work to the treble. From this point, the contrasts between variations become more and more stark, even bizarre. Those frightfully challenging variations give way to the relative calm of variation 18. But Variation 19 thrusts us into a different sound world with cascading outlines of chords. In the second half, Beethoven inverts this, making the chord outlines rise, all the while making it clear that Diabelli's theme is in there somewhere.
But then, for variation 20, Beethoven pulls the rug out from under us. It's as if he's still of the opinion that there's too much flesh on these thematic bones and that he could pare them back even more. The first two notes are the themes descending forth, but where he goes from there is straight out of the late Beethoven textbook. Bizarre, confronting contrasts continue with variation 21. It's almost two variations in one, with each half of the binary structure covering two ideas, thumping quavers accompanying a trill in 4-4, then flowing quavers in 3-4 which move against the beat. Yet somehow Beethoven makes it all work.
There is a school of thought that Beethoven's Diabelli variations were written as an expression of anger, that he was angry at even being asked by Diabelli to be seen as just one of the composers then working in Austria. There's another school of thought that Beethoven saw the project as just silly, and that in writing his own massive set of variations on Diabelli's waltz, that he was trying to send up the whole idea. The fact that the resulting work is simply magnificent makes it hard to believe either of these notions as being Beethoven's only motivation. But there are moments when it's easier to believe Beethoven was sending up Diabelli's idea. Variation 22 is one of those moments. Here, Beethoven draws attention to the fact that Diabelli's theme could be shoehorned into the music which opens the first act of Mozart's Don Giovanni. Beethoven makes this clear by noting in the score that Variation 22 is based on Mozart's Notte Giorno Faticar, the words sung by Leporello after the overture in Don Giovanni. That variation dispensed with the upbeat which is so crucial to Diabelli's theme, and it's as if this action liberated Beethoven's mind into being able to think even more creatively about where the waltz might take him. Variation 23 has no upbeat and explodes in cascades of what might almost be said to describe derisive laughter at what has gone before. Affecting yet another contrast, Beethoven writes a small fugue, a fugetta, for variation 24. The first two notes of the fugue subject are the themes descending forth, but from there Beethoven moves off into a world Diabelli would never have imagined possible. It's a timeless gem, a miniature of great beauty in the midst of controlled creative frenzy.
Then, quietly, in a fast triple time, Variation 25 starts. For the first time since we started on this incredible journey, Beethoven evokes the pulse of the waltz theme, but here the rolling bass line and punctuating chords in the treble make a very different effect. gentle mood remains in Variation 26, with cascading arpeggios outlining the theme's harmonic skeleton. Variation 27 is full of virtuosity and contrasting volume levels. The rhythm grows out of that of the previous variation, that much is clear on paper, but the oral effect is radically different. Variation 28, Beethoven is displaying a level of creativity unprecedented in variation form. The harmonic skeleton of Diabelli's Waltz underpins this variation, but melodically and rhythmically, Beethoven has evolved so far as to be on a different musical planet, and he has a lot further to travel yet. Thank you. 
In Variation 29, Beethoven changes key for the first time since Variation 9, and here again he goes from C major to C minor. This mournful little adagio is the first of three variations in C minor, each more removed from the world of the theme than the last, yet still unswervingly connected to it, however remotely. Variation 29... leads to variation 30, which leads to the rather stupendous Variation 31, one of Beethoven's great late slow movements where all perception of time seems to stop. And being late Beethoven, we should expect a fugue, a form with which he was obsessed in his final works. The Diabelli variations do not disappoint in this respect, with the second last variation, variation 32, being an enormous fugue. This is in E-flat major, the relative major of C minor, the key of the preceding three variations, and a key three steps away from the home key of C major. Using keys a third above or below the home key was a hallmark of Beethoven's style. The first two notes of the fugue subject comprise a descending fourth, thus making a connection with Diabelli's waltz. But the course of the fugue itself is pure late Beethoven. If you get lost in this, you're experiencing it correctly.
At this point, Beethoven provides a gentle link into the last variation, Variation 33. This returns to C major and is marked to be played in a moderate minuet tempo, but the variation itself is anything but a simple minuet. It's a large-scale meander through ideas inspired by aspects of Diabelli's theme. The waltz theme is hardly in evidence, but Beethoven shows that he could probably have written another 33 variations if he had the time. His creativity seems to know no bounds. We'll end this program with the end of Variation 32 and all of Variation 33. In this program, we heard a recording of Beethoven's Diabelli Variations, Opus 120, played by Gerard Willems, in a recording made for ABC Classics in 2010. Technical production for Keys to Music is by Nairi Duffield, and my name's Graham Abbott. Catch you next time. (laughs) 